Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Korchnoi Petrosian, Fisher Spassky, Kasparov Karpov, Chess Grandmasters All. And now add to that collection of storied rivalries, Colbert and the NFL. So as you'll hear later on in this podcast, we, uh, we got a late start on it, and uh, we were happy to do so because news just kept coming out even during our show yesterday as we were recording. Mm. Uh, we had a family event last night which precluded the uploading of the podcast last night, and that turned out to be a fortuitous event because we have some big news. You'll note that this uh, clip is out of order for the rest of the show, but we figured we needed to correct some things that we said yesterday. Urgency is required. One of the greatest men to ever put on the black and gold uniform. The most underrated player, I think, in the modern Pittsburgh Steelers era. A Hall of Fame caliber player. A dominant man. A force who turns men into boys on the football field. Is going to be in the black and gold, presumably for the rest of his career, because Cam Hayward has signed a four-year contract extension with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we could not be happier. Yeah, so the numbers as we know them right now, and they're not confirmed, it's 65600000 for four years. So that, combined with his current year's salary, brings him to $75 million over the next five seasons. He will give us, bring a cap hit of $13 million. And as you'll hear later on in the show, at the time we did the podcast, the cap was about a little under $10 million. So it has yet to be seen how they're going to fit this, uh, this number under the cap. But we don't care. This was a no-brainer. This is the way we've been talking about this for weeks, for months, for the whole summer and saying that, hey, look, we are nervous that Cam hasn't gotten the deal yet. We think the only reason for him not getting the deal is because of the weird salary cap situation brought on by COVID and the Steelers' lack of flexibility there. But we held firm that, hey, Colbert's been signing guys at the last minute every year. You know, Hayden got a deal, I think, most recently on an extension or something like that. Um, so we held to that and Kevin Colbert came through in the biggest way possible. And weirdly enough, I think this is one of the best three-year stretches Kevin Colbert has had to date with his flexibility, his, uh, his, alacrity. his alacrity, his ability to adjust on the fly, you know, whether it is making big free agent signings, something the Steelers never did before, adding Vance and, and Hayden to critical pieces for the Steelers, then trading assets for Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick you know, one superstar and one hopeful, you know, soon to be superstar. And then now uh, finding a way in the 11th hour, not only to sign, you know, possibly your best player, but uh, to also, you know, get Davis and Dobbs to solidify depth on both sides of the ball, positions that really need it. We'll talk about that during the podcast, but the Cam Hayward one's a no brainer. The guy's over 30. He's still in his peak. I mean, last year was probably his best year, and then the two years before that, 
were his other best years. So not only is he probably the main leader of the team, but he's the highest performer and he's at a premium position where he can cover up the mistakes of a lot of other people. And uh, yeah, so he doesn't look like he's showing any signs of slowing down. So it's just such a no brainer from the performance aspect, from the leadership aspect. And now the fans are happy. We're happy. And I'm sure TJ Watt and all his buddies are happy too. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is September 6th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from, well, not the Sawdust Studios, but in Washington, the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is September 6th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Joining me is my vaunted progeny, Nicholas, up in your nation's capital, celebrating a big birthday weekend. That's right. And I got some birthday presents from the Pittsburgh Steelers that we're going to be able to talk about in just one minute. But first off, I got to talk about some presents for you people in the future via yourselves, via your predictions in sports, thanks to betonline.ag. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. Sports season full swing. And I call it sports season because no longer is it basketball season or hockey season or football season. It's all going on at the same damn time because this is the last Steelers podcast, uh, Steelers Outpost episode before NFL football action has begun. Obviously NBA, NHL, we got MLB, we got a little bit of everything. And if you want the best odds and the best lines for the upcoming games, you got to check out betonline.ag. They also have hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, so on and so forth if you're trying to get your casino royale on. They got the best props in the business as well. So visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag. Your online wagering experts. We were very excited about this episode because we have. A profound report to offer you. The 53-man roster has been set, but lo, as we were constructing this script for this podcast, there was breaking news left and right. Thank, thank God I had to go to, to run a little errand before we started the podcast. We were about to start the podcast. We I go run the errand. I come back. And Josh Dobbs and Sean Davis are Pittsburgh Steelers again. And the funny thing is, we were catching football in the street yesterday morning. Yep. Uh, doing our usual practice, pre, pre-podcast practice, and you had noticed, was Davis just let go? Yes, by Washington within the last couple days. And you surmised that he would be a good target for the Steelers given his you know history with us, and he's probably at the right level because that means, i.e., affordable. I, you know, I along with a lot of other um, analysts for Steelers Nation here thought that this is uh, the perfect fit, but I honestly, I can't explain how big of a get this is for the Steelers. I'm not saying Sean Davis is coming here to supplant Terrell Edmonds as a starting safety or anything along those lines. What I'm saying is the Steelers have a top five defense in terms of talent. The upper end talent is outrageous. You have you know, three players that will be worthy of a defensive player of the year designation. 
You know, obviously Cam would never get it, but he really does play to that level, and so does TJ and Minka. Devin Bush, he might be able to join the ranks soon if everything goes according to plan. Other than that, you got a couple pro bowlers and Bud Dupree, Stefan Tuitt, Steven Nelson really plays at that level. You got Mike Hilton and, and Hayden, and I'm basically just sitting here going through the whole defensive lineup, so let's not leave out Vinny Williams. Basically, you have studs across the board. No weak link. The weak link is Terrell Edmonds, and Terrell Edmonds is a decent safety. He's just not a great number one pick, right? The only worry is we're thin. We're thin at outside linebacker. We're thin at inside linebacker. Defensive line's a little bit better. Maybe corners are a little bit better. But safety is a bit of a disaster. Curtis Riley was signed in this offseason after starting a lot of games for Oakland and New York, but not doing very well in them. And that was basically all we had in terms of backup safety. Now you add a guy who maybe wasn't a phenomenal safety for the Steelers, but let's face it, the team was terrible at that time. And he had some great years, and he had some really bad years. But the bottom line is he's a decent, serviceable starting safety, right? Washington decided to pay him $2 million to never play for them. So if anyone's wondering if the Washington football team culture is going to turn around after they change the name, I think we got our answer already. But this guy, is a, as a starter, okay, it's up and down. As a backup, this is phenomenal. Not only is he a talented guy who can do a lot of things, but he knows the defense and he knows the other players on the team and the Steelers know how to use him. I don't want to oversell him and you know make lemons out of lemonade out of lemons. Nothing. Is he one of the things he suffered from in Pittsburgh was being moved around a lot? Yeah, well, a couple of times. I mean, maybe not his natural position here. So I'm not saying that if he was being. Uh, is he natural strong safety? He's not a natural anything. He's one of those guys that came out of college and he was billed as a he can play some corner because he played a little corner at Maryland. But honestly, the only reason why he played corner was because they had injuries and they needed him to. It wasn't because he was Minka Fitzpatrick or Tyrone Matthew, these guys who can do multiple things. But the Steelers could not figure out if he's a natural strong safety or or free safety or or slot corner or something. I do agree, yeah, strong safety is probably his best spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, they couldn't figure out what to do, and I agree they were trying to move him around so much that he was never really able to get his sea legs. His best year might have been, like, his rookie year where he actually made some nice plays. So the other acquisition is Josh. Josh Josh Dobbs. Dobbs. Yeah. And that is the allusion I made earlier to the chess game that Kevin Colbert's playing. Yeah. Although, let's just take a moment of silence for Duck. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be on the practice squad. They're not. Gonna, they're not going to carry a fourth quarterback on the practice squad. Well, can right? they bump off Paxton Lynch for Duck? Because you would assume. I mean, the pecking order is True. Ben Mason, Duck, Paxton. So now, if if Josh Dobbs supplants him, I would assume Paxton would get let go, and you'd still get Duck, and the okay. legend could live on. I haven't seen the listing for the practice squad. It, it is du- uh, Paxton Lynch was on the practice squad, so Duck would bump him off. Yes, a bump would or they, they, Duck would bump him off. Have they announced the whole practice squad? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Um, but some of that stuff might be able to be a little bit fluid now. Or right. maybe they haven't announced the full one, but it's basically almost set in stone. I know Henry Mondo just might have been the first guy to actually get announced uh, to be on there. But I would assume Duck would be the next guy. I think he still has eligibility, right? Um, either way, let's move back. So Josh Dobbs, hey, we talked about him a lot in terms of when the Steelers were going through this thing, when they were drafting quarterbacks in the high mid-rounds. They drafted Josh. They drafted Mason. We hated both draft picks. 
both from the standpoint of that Josh, we've always said he's an athlete that plays quarterback. That's a famous Chris Simsism. He's an athlete that plays quarterback. He's not a, a quarterback that's an athlete. These are guys who can dominate or play well in the college system where you don't have to have the nuance of the quarterback position where everything's more spread out. Receivers are, they always talk about college open, right? Okay, well, if they're really open and you don't have to do many anticipatory throws or diagnose a lot of defenses, a lot of guys could get out there and throw the ball hard and, and get it to somebody, right? And Josh can do that, but there's, there's a goofiness to him. Even his scrambling is a little bit hectic, like a chicken with the head cut off. So we didn't love that about him when he was in Pittsburgh. And then when Mason played a little bit more, we saw that, hey, he's got shortcomings as well in terms of just, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Josh Rosen. Well, those are two examples of guys who offer zero in terms of athleticism and mobility. And, I, and that's what you need in the modern NFL at this point. Like, you don't have to be Lamar, but even Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield can move around in the pocket and make plays. We realize that Rudolph can't do that. In addition, he has a weak arm. So there's a lot of things to worry about there. The whole package. Yeah, the whole package. He has some nice anticipation. That's his difference. He's a little bit more of a natural quarterback than Josh Dobbs is. But Josh Dobbs' physical talent is far superior. So Josh Dobbs got more physical talent. Mason Rudolph has a better quarterback feel for the game and anticipation and stuff like that. But what I like about it is that you're at least bringing a guy in to push Mason and to create some competition. And maybe now Josh, with a little bit more seasoning, maybe he could be the better option for a couple games, or maybe it could be Mason. But I like that there's just a little bit of competition, and Josh brings an element of athleticism and arm strength that we don't have at the backup quarterback spot until now. And the familiarity, of course. So those are... Those are amazing signings. And you're saying chess compared to checkers, right? That's a reference to Alex Cazora's tweet earlier today saying that the Steelers traded um, Josh Dobbs for a fifth-round pick. They then packaged that fifth-round pick with a first-round pick to get Minka Fitzpatrick, which is awesome. And now they got Josh Dobbs back. I'll take that one and this one and five of the naked lady tees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's danger fielding it. We'll talk about danger field a little bit later. But the same thing with Martavis Bryant. How they, got, how they leveraged that pick, I believe, in the Devin Bush trade. And then with the Antonio Brown, they got a third for him. Sucker. Antonio Brown, they got a third for him. They used that to draft Deontay Johnson. Antonio Brown's not in the league anymore. Colbert's doing a pretty fine job over the past few years, it seems. So I don't. A couple of surprises that uh, Ryan Switzer was cut. Big surprise. He was getting hyped. A lot by himself, but yes. Yeah, quite. Well, there were, a lot of the reporters were saying that he was having a great camp, and I believe them that they were saying that. But uh, it just seems like the Steelers made the right move in the fact that you can't possibly be paid to coach football professionally and cut a guy named Ray Ray McLeod. You can't do it. It's just it would be suicide. This guy's obviously gonna be amazing. He has the best name in the NFL. He has basically the same name as Fox McLeod from Star Fox, son of James McLeod, legendary Galaxy fighter pilot. And apparently he's been making big plays all over the field. So I like that they take the risk there. I think with Eli and Switzer, there's good things about them, but then I think um you've also uh uh you know, they have their shortcomings and that the, 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 the coaches see during practice and they're trying to find guys with higher upside. So Kane doesn't make it. Switzer doesn't make it. Ray Ray McLeod takes a kick for a touchdown in preseason. Well, 
whatever this preseason is, right? Like in a practice. And uh, he makes the team. So you and I were talking about that. It can't just be about that one kick, right? Obviously, he made some big plays downfield as well, they say. But you and I don't put much stock into a kick return touchdown in the preseason. Not that we don't put any, but I'm not going to be like, oh, that's the difference between the guy making the team or not, because that could be the coverage squad just blowing it or... I know. You're just looking at a tweet or whatever the report is. They're picking one data point that's obvious. You know, it's objective. He scored or he didn't score. Does it? Does it? Can you extrapolate that? They... These coaches have seen Ray Ray McLeod for how many weeks? Four? Four weeks? Five? Yeah. So he must have done something pretty quick. I mean, he he wasn't there since the beginning. I think, yeah, you're right. He came in a little bit later, so he was behind the eight ball. Well, the point is they got to see him enough, and they see, oh, this guy's comfortable catching punts. He's comfortable making the decisions that a punt returner needs to have. And same with Switzer. And then he just has more explosion. So, of course, you're going to take that guy. Now, he's going to be the kick returner which marks another Alex Cazorra tweet here, I believe, the 28th consecutive year with a different kick returner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you look up Alex Cazorra's tweet, he's got all of them listed. But uh, they did say that they want to commit to Deontay Johnson on punt returns, and you and I have had this conversation a lot of times in regards to Antonio Brown and having you know a star starting receiver returning punts. And you and I always ended up settling on the fact that it made us nervous, but then when you sit there and think about it, it doesn't seem like the injury rate for punt returners is that high. Other people in the return game who are getting blindsided, they're the guys who get hurt. But you, you know, what an advantage to have a dangerous man back there returning punts. I mean, it changes the way that the other team has to punt. It changes the fact that you can probably break one or at least flip the field in a big game or whatever it is. And I don't mind having him back there, but it would be interesting to see if Ray Ray McLeod could, uh, you know, escalate on that. Uh, part of the game as well so carlos davis uh supplants danny mccullers finally and i wonder if they're yeah. i mean davis is just too early to tell what kind of player he's going to be but obviously he uh mccullers didn't show enough to justify his is he at two million dollars this year i don't know but two and a half million dollars him and dangerfield well i guess just dangerfield now are the steelers cockroaches you just cannot kill these guys i was Almost shocked to hear McCullers didn't make it just because every year we write him off and every year he kept making it. And it seemed after last year when he made it, all the fan base, we decided, okay, he's he's sticking around. Big Dan, that's one of the guys. So he did get supplanted. Um, and in regards to Dangerfield, if we're going to talk about that just real quick, by the way, he made the team over Riley. Curtis. So Curtis Riley, the free agent acquisition, they cut him after they signed Sean Davis. And I was surprised about that because – and I don't know how much I like that or not, because if you had Davis and Curtis Riley, you'd have a backup free safety with Dave, with uh, Curtis Riley and a backup strong safety with Sean Davis. Because Dangerfield, like we said, he really doesn't give you any value on defense. So they really must love Jordan Dangerfield's special teams prowess. And I think he's the up back on punts and stuff like that too, so that's a big position. But they really do value the special teams player there because he offers a little bit more than Curtis Riley does on special teams, so that's an interesting one. Uh, Dangerfield, cockroach. Inspirational. The biggest surprise for me, James Pierre, cornerback out of uh, Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Zero point zero buzz about this guy, except for when I went and looked back, there were a few tweets Say there's you know, of all the guys who are going to get cut, there's somebody who who might be able to make it under the wire. Yeah, I'd say that one's only shocking because we didn't get to see any games this preseason, and it makes sense that this will be the year where we get a guy who's 
almost a complete unknown. You made the point that there was a little bit of buzz about him, but once again, they only let three guys into training camp, and there's no way those three reporters can see every single player, so he's not going to get as much burn in the tabloids, if you will, as some of these other guys, but we would have got him see play four games if there was an actual preseason, so it's funny. We got this guy who's almost an unknown, but obviously he did enough to impress them. Makes it even harder for a guy like him to make a team without the opportunity to show during the preseason. Yeah. Uh, Quick tweet just from John Ledger pointing out such coincidence. This is Dangerfield's seventh season. The only players that have been in Pittsburgh longer are Ben, Cam Hayward, Marquise Pouncey, DeCastro, and Vince Williams. It's crazy. He's probably racking up some kind of records. Seven years. Yeah, that's a cockroach. He might be out doing Chidi Awuma. And I feel like we underrate Dangerfield's name, too. Jordan Dangerfield. It's a great name. Secret agent. So can we go through the position groups briefly? Um, yeah. And we'll, let's talk about the change in the number of position, uh, the number of players at each position and, and that composition thereof. We didn't think we had anything to report on the QBs, but now I'm going to change. We're flipping the script. We've got Dobbs for Dodd for Duck. Dobbs for Duck. Dog, Dobbs for Duck. Dobbs for Duck. Could we be got a campaign. Ben... Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs, and then let's assume that Duck goes to the practice squad. Unless somebody picks him up, which may be, but I don't really think so. So three QBs, per usual. So we move from four running backs to five. We've swapped out um, Derek Watt for the oft-injured Roosevelt Knicks. Very sad. I loved Rosie. And we added Anthony McFarlane to the running back core, corpse. Well, they also kept Jalen Samuels, so they are addicted to making that thing work. And they cut freaking Kareth White. Let's see if he goes to the practice squad. I could not be angrier about the cut. We were not wrong! Look at the way that Jalen Samuels runs these routes so deliberately, so slowly. Nice. Let's get him in there. You got. I just. I just don't see it. I hope he proves me wrong. I'll be the first one to say it. I just. I want Connor in, and then when Connor gets injured, I want Snell and McFarland in. Where does Samuels fit in? Like, well, you could put him out at receiver. We have eight receivers and tight ends who I'd prefer running routes above this guy. I just do not understand that addiction. And I know Matt Canada was with him at one point in college, I think. I worry that that's, you know, part of it. Like, oh, I can use this guy this way. And once again, I hope that he proves me wrong, but... It just doesn't seem worth it. Like, if you're like, oh, we can put him out in the slot, do we need him? Do we need that? Look. We have guys. If Ben couldn't protect Switzer, there's no way Canada's protecting uh, protecting Jalen. I yeah. think they're looking for Jalen's second-year bump or third-year third year bump. bump. Yeah. I'm sure it'll happen. Well, he's done some good things. It's not like he's trash. It's not like we're looking at Jonathan Dwyer. No offense, but that was a rough time. I mean, well, he has done some good things. Let's, let's go back and just say plus or minus on the changes in the quarterback position. Plus. Uh, agreed. Running back. Plus, big plus. Because you, not only do you add McFarland, who I guess had an up-and-down camp, but that's an exciting guy who could compete to be a starting running back sooner rather than later. But Benny Snell's transformation, making him a more valuable piece than he was last year, is also an extra plus. Uh, the Derek Watt for Rosie Nix. Listen, Rosie Nix, weird career. He's underrated. Pro Bowl kind of guy. Really good running back. Really good special teams player. That's what they say Derek Watt is, too. Uh, he has some catchability, but so did Rosie Nix. So I don't know. That's kind of a push to me, to be honest with you. But uh, but overall, yeah, plus for the running backs. So we're carrying three tight ends, the same way as we did last year. Zach Gentry, 
Vance McDonald, and Eric E. Braun replaces Xavier Grimble. Yeah, huge plus, right? Uh, Xavier Grimble also got cut today. I don't know who he got cut from, but... The Colts. You see what the Steelers were... Oh, his old... Uh, that's where uh, Ebron came from. They say, how about this Grimble guy? He looks... Pre- no, no, he's not good. He fumbles on the one-yard line, and you lose to the Broncos. Um, yeah, huge plus. Reports have been saying... I know Mark Caballi said in particular that Ebron is kind of impressed the most out of all the pass catchers. Like, he might be even better than advertised. Uh, we take that with a grain of salt. Not I mean, Cabal knows what he's talking about, but you, like we said, it's hard to get a total read for these guys until we see them in game action. But, yeah, that's a massive plus. Wide receivers, we're still carrying five. Um, this isn't a one-for-one, one, but so we, we lose Moncrief and Switzer to be replaced by Claypool and McLeod. Right. Technically, you lose Kane and Switzer because Moncrief was yeah, cut in, the, in right. the middle of last year. Right. But yeah, but from we were looking at last year's original fifty man, uh, fifty three man roster. Yeah, that's just in a quantum leap. I mean, Claypool, this is really exciting, and you're going to get a different Juju because Ben. All these players are going to be better because Ben's there. Your top three are super exciting when it, we know when it comes to a. Uh, your top four are super exciting when it comes to Juju, Claypool, Washington, and Deontay Johnson. And now Ray Ray McLeod, that's an intriguing one as well. So that's a big plus. Another, you know, uh, improvement. Well, the PR on Claypool continues to, to be uh, hugely positive. It makes me nervous. You know, yeah, I'm a glass half empty kind of guy and I just worry about it. But when was the last time we had a wide receiver that hadn't played a snap with this kind of um, hype optimism? about him probably never i think uh well actually almost every year because now everybody accepts oh the steelers drafted a receiver here comes a star but not to this level and you know why because look at him there really is a, a component to that where look at the guy he's gigantic but he's smooth and he's fast as hell and he's jacked and he can jump and he's good at actually contorting and, and catching the ball and keeping his feet in bounds and has those skills and sometimes people try to oversell like Oh, he's just big and fast. He can't do things. Like, they talk about that with DK Metcalf. And it's like, no, the guy has to be spastic for that not to be valuable. You know, if he's bigger and faster than everybody and he can catch, he doesn't need to run every route in the route tree because his three routes are harder to cover. And this guy does not run three routes. He runs more than that. So the hype, it scares me, too, because it's so significant, right? And actually, defenses are going to be cued into this guy. Before, the Steelers had the luxury of bringing these dudes in, and people didn't know to fear Antonio Brown. People didn't know to fear Martavis Bryant. And you did have a little bit of an under-the-radar thing, and you had this A-B thing that people had to worry about to such an extent that they were able to, you know, draw these uh, favorable matchups. But come on, man, look at the guy. He's beastly. So a lot of shuffling on the offensive line. Ramon goes into retirement. Fred Johnson was on the original roster last year, right? You know, I barely remembered it. Right. I did the review. Obviously, he's not there. But Hassenauer uh, was bumped up. He was was he on the team last? Year? I mean, he was on the practice squad. I'm yeah, not sure he got a he got a hat in the games. Around. And Wisniewski was acquired from a trade. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's a push on the offensive line from last year because you, know, you, you lose Finney, but Wisniewski is a comparable kind of guy. Um, obviously, Ramon going down. So maybe you'd say, I just like the depth that they have right now. So maybe it's not even a push. Maybe it's just a slight downtick, but it's not as bad as we were expecting because they did a really nice job. Well, actually with Doxson, it's it's a barely a downtick, but I, I would even feel comfortable calling it a push because uh, Doxson's in there. He's looking like he could be a starter sooner rather than later. Filer proved himself last year as a 
okay, this guy's a starting offensive lineman, at least for the Steelers. And the only thing we have to worry about, and it's a big worry, we talked about it last week, DeCastro is supposed to be out even through early this week. He might not play week one. If he plays week one, I feel great about the offensive line. You got the left side intact. I mean, Filer obviously playing left guard. He only did that a little bit last year, but we know he can do that. He played well. You got Filer and Villanueva and Pouncey. And then on the right side of DeCastro's playing, you got Pouncey DeCastro and then probably Chuksakora for a guy who's been around and he's actually started a game or two. And I believe just one, but he's been around. Okay, I feel great about that. If you don't have David DeCastro, you're going to get another new starter at right guard, and your whole right side of the offensive line is brand new in terms of a, a cohesive unit that started together. They had no games to practice in the preseason, which is probably the biggest deal to like offensive line and secondary, the, the major like communication positions. So that does make me nervous, um, although at least it's against the Giants, who they're not a pushover. No NFL team really is, but at least they don't have too many monsters. But there are some monsters coming up very closely, so hopefully DeCastro gets better soon. We're going to get Finney back. Bring him back. I think until we see three or four games, this is a downtick. This is a noticeable downtick. There's just too many changes. You think it's noticeable? Yeah, I'm worried about. Um, well, first of all, you know, Filer was good in the position he played, and between Chooks and Banner, they didn't play enough consistent. I, I just haven't seen it. That's yeah, all. that's I'm, true. I'm, that's what I mean about noticeable down. Yeah, well, and Filer did play left guard. He played mostly right tackle, but he did start at least one game at left guard, and he played very well there. So at least that's a little bit of an unquantity. But you're right; the unit as a whole is unknown, and that's risky, especially in this year out of any year where they didn't get to gain experience with their communication. On the defensive line, the starters are intact, Hayward and Tuit. But you have you have major changes. Losing Hargrave, McCullers was, you know, he was just a guy, but he, he knew the system. They are replaced with Chris Wormley and Carlos Davis. So this is a slight downtick because you lost a star player in Javon Hargrave. I mean that's just really big. Uh otherwise the Wormley signing is big. It's great because now you actually have a couple extra guys in Alu-Alu who's going to be the nose tackle, but what's he going to play? 30% of the snaps at nose tackle? We usually don't use a nose tackle these days with all the sub-package defense they play. But I just like the fact that you have Alu-Alu and Wormley, two starting quality NFL defensive linemen backing up your two-star defensive linemen. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Look at all the Super Bowl teams over the years. Past years, they have Two waves of defensive linemen. You need two waves. And the Steelers, it's not stacked, but it's you have guys that you can rely on. So that's a little bit of a downtick, but it's not bad. Just from a, a backup standpoint. I mean, you lose Hargrave. That, that's big. Yeah. That's big. So linebackers, we are... We're moving from eight. We're moving from ten down to eight linebackers. And yeah, this will relate somewhat to um, the safeties. safeties. Yeah, but anyway, let's, if you recall, last year we had Mark Barron, uh, Chicolo, Tyler Matikavich, and Tuzar Skipper on the original fifty-three man roster. We have brought on Robert Spillane, who was on the team yeah, at the end of team. last mm-hmm. season, and Alex Highsmith is getting great grades. I yeah, mean, from. Cam Hayward, no less. Yeah, so obviously we're, we're talking about inside linebackers and outside linebackers, which are totally different positions here. But if we talk about inside, uh, it's an uptick. 
Well, yeah, it's an uptick strictly because Bush is going to be better. He's going to be better. And we have always been fans of putting Vince Williams in over Mark Barron. Vince Williams is a great run defender, good run defender, very good blitzing linebacker, and not as bad in coverage as people think he is. He will get targeted, yes, but we know that he's going to get targeted so we can work around that a little bit. Getting Ulysses Gilbert back from injury is really exciting. That's the kind of guy that you can't help getting excited about. He's a late-round pick. He's a late-round pick for a reason, but he runs a 4-4-4-3 kind of guy. So, you know, the upside could be really exciting. Um, That being said, I'm going to say it's a slight, slight uptick. Uh, as far as the yeah, because now you have Highsmith backing up Bud and Watt, an actual guy who can get to the passer, and Ola Denier. The hype train has slowed down, but now he's the fourth guy instead of the dude we're hoping is going to take over for Bud or something. I feel good about him as the fourth guy there. So it's a slight uptick for the linebackers. So we're carrying six cornerbacks again. Uh, if you recall, last year we were dealing with the Artie Burns situation, eventually mm-hmm. getting cut. But they, they have brought on James Pierre. He of Atl- Florida Atlantic. Yeah, we talked about him at the top. Don't know much. Haven't been able to watch him play, really, any, uh, to any extent. So. so if you look at his combine, he did play. He did go to the combine. Um, he is a slow cornerback, which we, we like in a cornerback. Very good. He's he is slow. Slow or fast with no <laughs> brains. <laughs> I guess the the thing on him is That's he main, can he, he can he can keep up. He's athletic. He's athletic. Uh, tight hips. Don't want to be watching a slot receiver. Tight hips. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you get out of the last second here. But it's good. I can't tell you much about him. I haven't been able to watch him play enough. But obviously, we feel really good that you have a top four that's really phenomenal. And then Justin Lane is the one we're keeping our fingers crossed. I just you know. I haven't seen anything from him that tells me he's a stud, and I've never seen the Steelers develop a cornerback, so I just can't lie to you. I'm worried about them being able to develop Justin Lane, but at least he got four guys at the top, so that's a push probably, right? Yeah, and then the safeties, we had a safety. Uh, I was originally going to mention that Sean Davis was odd man out from last year's, but uh, <laughs> that has changed right before our eyes. Cameron Kelly was here at the time. We brought on Marcus Allen and Obviously, we mentioned before, Curtis Riley has been cut. Well, Marcus Allen from last year, right? Or did he not make the original 53? Correct. Well, he's the interesting one. They are practicing him at inside linebacker a little bit, but I think that's obviously in the hopes of this guy finally being the dime backer, the sort of hybrid strong safety inside linebacker that they've been looking for for a while. And if you remember, we talked about him in the draft and the whole the whole. Report is this guy comes up and he lays the wood on people. He's Ryan Clark and people. He's up near the line of scrimmage. Don't even think he got a single turnover in college. <laughs> so it's just completely useless as far as that goes. So actually, Dimebacker seems like the perfect place for him. And apparently, he's one of the standouts from camp. I mean, what you want from a guy like that is you just want a psycho, right? And sounds like he's filling that role pretty well. So I got to see him on the field. I'll be curious to see what he can do. But uh, yeah, that's why the inside linebacker safety numbers are a little funky because you got a guy who's kind of a tweener. So originally when we started this, uh, the podcast, we thought we had the specialist all locked in with Chris Boswell, um, Canada and Jordan Jordan Berry. Berry. That's flipped. Well, we'll see. Uh, it's not a foregone conclusion, but it's looking like Dustin Colquitt, the 60-year-old punter 
who just won the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs and has about five other professional punters in his family, including a former Steelers punter, another Colquitt. He's on his way to Pittsburgh for a tryout. The old lefty, old screwball Colquitt, they call him. And the assumption is once he passes through his physical, they're going to dump Jordan Berry for Colquitt. So we'll see what happens as far as that goes. Although there's been more updates than just that. Well, they dropped the uh, Corliss Waitman, the guy they they brought in for for camp, to the practice squad. Which is kind of funny that they're keeping a punter on the practice squad. Speaking of the practice squad. Maybe he has other talents. Go ahead. Dan McCullers. The cockroach lives. We spoke too soon. There's been an update. Somehow Dan McCullers and the new school practice squad rules... Has cockroached his way back to He's the alive. Back to the 60s. He is a heartbeat away from starting for the Pittsburgh football Steelers. He's around, baby. Keep him around. Derwin Gray, another offensive lineman, another Maryland guy they cut. He's got two Maryland guys back in the fold with Davis and Derwin Gray. That Maryland connection lives on. And um, see if it pays off for once. <laughs> McFarland? McFarland's a Maryland guy. Uh, this is like Toledo and Maryland are now in the lead for most. Steeler players, uh, alma maters. That's right. We've got Canada, Mike Tomlin's son, all kinds of things going on there. Hey, so something we were talking about before, the, the DeCastro, the mystery injury, the lower body, they haven't said soft tissue, but I imagine it's not a broken bone, but right. they haven't said anything about it. But they did restructure his contract. We were talking about the fact the Steelers had about $4 million and change in cap space, which made us exceedingly nervous about our ability to re-sign or extend uh, Cam Hayward's contract. Yeah. There is really no room. There, they have restructured all the contracts that can make a dent on the bottom line. Because I'm telling you, look, they have cleared $3.8 million with this restructuring to Castro, which to me is pocket lint. Although they think now that they have, they add this three point eight to the four million, so they have about nine, almost ten million dollars in cap space at this point. Well, what are they paying Sean Davis? Let's see, because we did these calculations before the show. Well, he already got his two million. I, I'm, I, he's already been paid, and he got the check, so he should be working for like one hundred fifty thousand dollars this year. Let's see. We'll have to figure that out. But look, here's how it works: DeCastro was originally scheduled to make. $8.75 million as a base salary. They drop that to $1 million. The difference, he still gets paid it in cash, but instead of calling it salary, they call it bonus. And guess what that means? You can allocate that out to future years, thus reducing your cap space hit. So, they, again, they saved $3.85 million on this uh, little magic, accounting magic they've done with the Castro's contract. Now you can go. Uh, now you can look at Cam. I mean, we were talking before that Colbert has sent out sent out some mixed signals. Like last week, he was saying, "I don't know. You know, this is going to be difficult with the unknown. We know the cap's cap's going to drop next year, but you know, we don't know what other effects it's going to have." And this week, it's a it's a the main priority for the Steelers to resign Cam. Well, I think that he meant what he said. I really think that this odd salary cap situation the NFL is finding themselves in as a result of COVID makes it hard for them to 
to you know make decisions so far ahead of time like they're used to doing. I think we said this last week on the pod, or maybe we were just talking about it during the week, but we were thinking like, hey, maybe they really, you know, you we know how they like to do business. Sign the guy before the year before his contract expires, the season right when his contract's about to expire, right? They don't want him to get to the open market, but maybe they would take the risk with someone like Cam this year just because of the unknown with the money. Like, we will just have to talk to him and, and try to let him know that we're going to do it. We just need to figure out what the money's looking like in a year. Um, but who knows? We don't know. And and now that they have a little bit of wiggle room, that's encouraging. And by the way, if they get him signed this week, it would match up, you know, what they did for Joe Hayden. I even think Troy Palomalo. I don't know if Heath happened. This happened with Heath at some point. But sometimes they do get the deals done the week of the, you know, game one. So fingers crossed, man, because they, ha- they have to keep Cam Hayward. It's not just, a, oh, he's a great stealer and he's a leader. This is a dominant player at a premium position of defensive tackle. I mean, you're just not going to be able to replicate that. You're going to have a – you're going to need to spend a first or second round pick and maybe bring other guys in for the defensive line or your whole defense could be compromised that way. And Cam's definitely got at least a couple more good years left in him, so that should be a huge priority. And I, I, as much as I hate to say it, it's like, yeah, I'd let Juju and, and Connor go in a heartbeat over, and even someone else. Like, even you can let Mike Hilton go. All whatever it takes to get Cam Hayward, you need. And I don't want to see any of those guys go. But we agree. The problem with letting Connor and Juju go is it saves you no money. Not only do you not want to have to spend extra money on those guys in a contract year, because they're making no money right now. Right. I mean, they're not a they're not a yeah, problem yeah. on the cap. The problem is what they might be making. So you get rid of them and you get rid of the problem about having to give them a raise. But you still, your cap just went down. You have to cut a star. And the only star on offense making money is Ben. Is Ben. Yeah. And you and if your premise is you want to Where is the, all the money going to right now? <laughs> yeah. He's um look on sports. I mean, he's he's a huge percentage of the of the yeah, that's what you get when you get the star quarterbacks. That's how yeah. all of them are. And by the way, Deshaun Watson just joined the ranks as well. So the old argument of these guys don't make much money. Listen, they make the money, man. There's no exceptions. There's the Tom Brady thing, which is a complete exception. Don't ever use the Patriots as a rule for like, oh, the Patriots do this, so we sh- so other people should. It's like they can do it because they're the Patriots and because of Giselle and because of Kraft and other things that are going on. Uh, yeah, you should try to be like the Patriots as much as you can, but there's certain things that they can pull off that other teams can't. And by the way, I mean, there is an understanding that they l- would tell Tom Brady, like, this is as much as we're willing to pay you. And if you want more, we will get another guy. That's why they drafted quarterbacks every three years when he was there. That's why they wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's a known fact that they that Mr. Kraft stepped in and made them trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Because Tom wanted to stick around. So like this, just I, I sometimes hear people complain about the Ben Big Salary thing, and I just have to tell you, this is how it is. And if you get Mahomes or Jackson, you work as hard as you can to make those first few years count, and then they get paid. Like Lamar did, like Watson just did today. Like Lamar is going to next year if he doesn't, you know, have a regression. Yeah, I'm not making a judgment call. I'm just saying the math is that Ben is 12 percent of the salary. The next guy is Dupree. He he's the most likely one to go. Would you try to franchise tag him next year just to keep the band together? No, it goes up if you franchise tag him two years in a row. 
he's franchise tagged right now, so that's just that's a no can do. You better hope Highsmith does a good job. He's kind of the guy that you would think. Who would you keep? That's so interesting. Who would you keep, Bud Dupree? Because you can probably he'll probably be in his prime for another you know four years, maybe a little bit more. You could keep Dupree and Watt together. That band, you have those bookend defensive ends. That's amazing. Or do you realize we have TJ? We can get another good guy on the other side which is hard. It's hard to get good pass rushers outside of the first round. They're freaks. You know, there's just only so many guys who are built that way and who are that fast. But yeah, that, that is interesting. But, you know, Bud's the younger guy. Cam's a little bit older, but they're both still going to be good going into the future. I just think defensive line is such a premium position. And in comparison, Cam's a better player at his position than, than Bud is. Cam is really the top of the barrel. Well, funny you should mention that because the th- Third, second, third, and fourth highest cap hit are from Bud, Tuit, and Hayward. And next year we'll add to that what? Yeah, and Tuit, man, I mean, he's at the point right now. How much has he played in the last two years? I mean, he's all, he, he's getting into Connor territory, and I really pray that he can make it through the season, but I have my doubts. He never does. And it just seems like that's how it works out for people. Hey, Joe Hayden's getting on his last legs. He's still a good player, but there will be money. Uh, just the problem is we don't know where the money is now. Yeah, just just uh, number six on the list. So there are a couple other contracts floating out there that the Steelers aren't going to talk about. Um, the Steelers are going to let Mike Tomlin enter into a contract year. He's already signed through 2021, mm-hmm. and he won't be extended, uh, according to Art Rooney. And uh, Colbert also is basically going year to year. I'm not sure yeah. why. It's, it's interesting. I wonder why he's keeping his options open. Where, where do you want to go? I don't think he wants to go anywhere, sincerely. I mean, the guy's older. He's a Pittsburgh guy. I don't think he's looking for, like, some grass is greener situation. I just think he's getting to that point in his career. And I think we were both wondering over the last few years, like, these guys are linked to Ben. It's really a trio, right? Tomlin, Colbert, and Ben. And we didn't know what was happening with Ben for the past few years. And now you get the information for, like, the first time. Ben might actually be around in 2022, 2023. I mean, cross our fingers. Just bought this house at the beach, damn it, Ben. Right? Make up your mind. (laughs) Exactly. And now there's rumors that they might uh, extend Tomlin and Colbert, which, of course, would be the move to make, you know, especially if Ben's around. But I don't know if Colbert, you know, is just getting older and wondering, like, hey, if Ben's gone and this era's gone, maybe, you know, it's time to move on. Who knows what it is? We don't know. But it does sound like they're open to extending those guys, and I'm sure they would. We know this organization is the picture of stability. They're going to want to keep those guys there. So speaking of extensions, let's talk about Ben for a second. He is on a two-year $68 million deal that runs through 2021, and Rooney told Ed Bouchette of The Athletic, uh, if Ben feels like playing longer and he's capable, we're certainly open to that scenario. Who would have thought we'd have been talking about this 18 months ago? It's wild. I mean... You do see some players' careers get extended by surgery. You know, he's been playing with el- with elbow pain for a little while. Let's just pray that, you know, Mike Florio has a take on Pro Football Talk that actually makes a little bit of sense. Is like, is this just the elbow or is this the sign of a, a body that's going to break down? Whether it's going to be, oh, it's an elbow now, but it'll be a knee later. It'll be this or that. Uh, hopefully it's not that. And before... This transform physical. I don't know if you call it transformation, but a, a, a notable improvement that Ben's made this season. I thought that that was a possibility. The breaking down body thing, like ah man, it's gonna be hard. But he has really turned it around. I don't know if he's eating avocado ice cream, but it looks like it could be a possibility. Whereas before, we didn't think that it was. So 
we'll keep monitoring that, and please keep him around. Well, there, you want him around for a couple of reasons. One, we like him. We can win with him. He's a franchise quarterback. But two, he is so damned expensive, you almost have to sign him to another contract to keep pushing the inevitable yeah. pain. He is His cap hit next year is $41 million. Yeah. And you know what it is this year? 23, 24. Yeah. I mean, it goes up. Well, it almost doubles, right? Yeah. That takes in a year when the cap will go down to 100 from two to 175. Yeah, you got to extend them about 10 years. Yeah, that's wild. Well, speaking of Ben, part two, the documentary came out. I love every second of Ben on a camera, but I can't lie to you. It wasn't as exciting as round one. It was, it was basically a bunch of doctor's appointments as part yeah. of my takes it. <laughs> the one cool uh, shot was, you know, Bradley, man. Is he a bartender or is he a doctor? He's very casual when it comes to a doctor. Ben, something's wrong with the stitches. I gotta rip them out. Straighten your arm. They told me the last thing to do is straighten my arm. Oh. Uh, it'll be not, all right. Not gonna lie to you. This is gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt. I know, by the way, people are gonna kill Ben for that. I was bracing myself for the part of my take episode this week and they handled it in a pretty funny way, but it really is like Ben. It's like he plays through so much. He's an all-time guy in terms of like playing through injuries, but he just has that. He just can't. He can't let it be silent. He has to tell people when things hurt, even when they don't hurt that bad. So he's kind of boy who cried wolf. And it is funny that in his own documentary, there's a part about how much this hurts. Like it's really gonna hurt. By the way, uh, hey Doc, could we retake this and just tell me a couple more times how it's gonna hurt? <laughs> But by the way, I'm talking about this. This is my damn sports hero here. I can say these things because I've gotten to physical altercations with crowds of people in one from the strength of Ben's, Ben Roethlisberger. But yeah, the documentary I don't think was quite as good this week as it was the first week with the inspiration. But it was still cool to get some behind-the-scenes footage. Well, speaking of heroes, happy birthday to Ryan Shazier. Yes. September 6th. And something that uh, I didn't know, you share a birthday with a very famous Pittsburgh sports figure. Roberto Clemente? Close. Bill Mazeroski. Wow. Glorious. Me, Bill, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury? That's right. Wow. That's a good one. Uh, I think you have an autographed, I had an autographed baseball from Bill in a glass case that you used to play with as a three-year-old and just gummed to death, and I'm not sure it's still around. Who knows? So this is the part of the show I usually dread when we go into the Manscaped commercial, and now we're face-to-face. It's very awkward for me. So just please dispense with the... Look good, feel good. Feel good, play good. Play good, make money. That's what Deion Sanders says, and it also applies to keeping your below-the-belt grooming at a high level. You can do it in the shower because... Manscaped has water-resistant technology. You can do it drunk in the dark because it's safety. It's just it's safety personified. And if by personified, I mean, I don't know, objectified, it's an object. Don't they give them to prisoners because they can't kill themselves with it? That's exactly that's right. Can't do it. It's that safe. So injuries are a thing of the past, so that's not an excuse for you guys to, you know, let this thing go Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and, and Predator jungle. All right? Let it go. Keep it clean, 20% off, free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Armchair is that code, manscaped.com. 
While we're at it, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. We mentioned them at the top of the pod. We're mentioning them again right now because it is the place to go for the best lines, the best props in the business, and there is so much sports to bet on. You need to bet now. We will never have this again. All the major sports are playing at the same time because of the COVID delays. It's sports heaven right now. Damn it, we don't have... You know, college football seems to be in flux. But we got all kinds of sports going on. Go to betonline.ag and put some money down. Make some money. All right? They also got live casino games, poker, so on and so forth. So get on there, betonline.ag. Ching your online wagering experts. Well, let's talk about COVID controversy. The Steelers announced that they're not going to have fans at their first two games. And that is with the Broncos on September 20th and the Texans in uh, on September 27th. However, five teams are going to per- permit fans. The Chiefs, the Jags, Cowboys, and the Colts. Was that five? One, two, three, four. No, I'm missing one. Anyway, they're going to let about 13,000 fans into a 60,000-fan stadium. Um, ostensibly, all these other procedures in place for entering the stadium, and there'll be a limited time for them to get in and out. Masks on, unless you're drinking beer, which means masks <laughs> off. And they'll have plexiglass in between everybody. Really? It could be safer. So, it's, are they really? Yeah. Oh, they're going to, like, pods or something like that. That's wild. Uh, we'll see what it looks it's gonna like. going to trap the noise? Interesting. But let's get to that point. The competitive advantage does not exist, according to the all-knowing Roger Goodell mm-hmm. and, those, and those with whom he conferred. He said... We do not believe it's a competitive advantage, parentheses, having fans in a stadium when the other team can't have fans, said Roger Goodell. As for safety concerns, he said the decision about whether fans are coming into our facilities or not are done after a great deal of discussions with public health officials, locally, government officials, and making sure they understand the plans. Mm. So how do you draw a conclusion that there's not a competitive advantage? Well, I have two thoughts on the subject. One thought is regarding the competitive advantage and whether it exists or not. And the other thought is just the annoyance at how the NFL handles every PR opportunity ever. Like just doubling down and saying we don't think there's a competitive advantage to having fans in the stands with no further you know, clarification. It just doesn't make any sense because, of course, having fans in the stands is a competitive advantage. The gambling lines reflect that, right? It's harder to play in another team's stadium. One, because you have to travel, so that actually can be physically tiring. And also, it just messes with your routine. We're talking about football players, the ultimate creatures of routine. Okay, sure. Um, Then when you get to the stadium, yeah, there's a motivational thing for sure where they, you know, the fans can cheer you on and it helps the team. We've seen it happen. There's also a thing where... The noise affects them. It lets your, if you have to use silent counts on offense, the pass rush can get off quicker. There are obvious advantages. So, like, that's ridiculous to insinuate there aren't. Otherwise, they wouldn't do half home games and half away games all the time. They'd just be like, Chargers, why don't you just, why don't you just go on the road? Nobody cares about this home game here, right? Okay, but is there an advantage when there's only 15,000 fans in, a stand, in the stands? Because... I just don't think they can make that much noise. I mean, if you've ever been in a stadium, you realize it, it takes a lot. It takes some real hype for them to, to get to the level of noise that's actually distracting to the other teams. It might be kind of funny, like some guys in the background. You, know, you suck. Burrow sucks. And actually, that might be more effective. <laughs> 
I think you and I might be able to have an, in, an impact. Who do you say? Okay, they have the Cowboys. Do we play the Cowboys this year? Colts. If we play any of these teams, we're going. Let's make it happen. Um, so, anyways, I wish that Goodell would have given that distinction because he said, we do not think that there's any advantage and neither do the clubs. And like, three or four clubs, including like the Vikings and some other teams, have come out and said, yeah, we think there's an unfair advantage. <laughs> so he's just lying. Why, why do you just do this 11-year-old bo- or like 6-year-old boy kind of situation where you just think, if I just deny as hard as I can, if I never crack, eventually I might not win the argument, but they will go away and they'll stop asking me. We play every team except for the Chiefs. We that, play the Jags, Cowboys, and the Colts. Well, that's annoying. But, but we're going to have more. The, the beauty is we'll have more fans there. Well, hopefully. That's true. So, oh, last time I went to Jacksonville Stadium, that's just heart-wrenching. But anyways, uh, I don't think – I think it's a little bit of an advantage, but I wouldn't – I'm not super worried about that. I just don't think that they can make that much noise where it's going to make a huge difference. Bill Cower that interviewed in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you saw this, but he was talking about the most difficult – well, one of the most difficult parts of a head coach's job – is this time is, is cutting a roster down. Uh, there was a quote in this article that Chuck Noll always talked about getting on with your life's work, which is a great quote for a book, but it probably doesn't work well in person. No. Um, firing a guy, you know, there, there are ways to fire a guy, you know, undrafted free agents they're taking care of with a pink slip under the door, I imagine. But, you know, it is the difficulty in talking to a guy who's brought your team to where it is. It might be an iconic local hero. Um, somebody who's been who's been very loyal, who's maybe taken a team friendly contract, whatever, been a good citizen in the community. Yeah. But your judgment and their judgment are not aligned about their future with the team. And he said, um, one of the, the the conflicting roles of a coach is to pump guys up to let you know make them know that you're wanted and you're an integral part of the team and you're confident in their abilities. Yeah. And then a day later, you're cutting him. Look at Hodges. Yeah. I mean, not that he was going to be you know, any superstar, but I mean, I, I'm sure he was not in on the, it, boy, Dobbs came available. We're gonna make, we have to make these moves. We have to be secret about it. And then boom, you made the team. You probably are sweating bullets into a certain point. Yeah. And had the rug pulled out of you. It, but worse is when you're talking to— By a guy to, that you beat out last year, by the way, because they traded guys, yeah. you know? But then worse, you're talking to Troy Palomalo. Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward. Yeah. That's tough. And the, the, But the thing with those—so with those guys, that's really tough because you're seeing kind of their life's work come to an end in front of your eyes because they know I can't even make my team. I mean, a lot of the guys get angry. You talk about Earl Thomas or whatever. People and who, who probably has a couple good years where he can still play, but he's nowhere near the guy he was before. But these guys realize can't make my team. You know, it's over, and there's just too many emotions to process in that time. It's probably even worse though for those pink slip undrafted free agent guys because you're kind of telling them like you can't play football for a living in a way. You know, like the the odds are just so low that you're going to be able to make a team. And then if you don't do it within the first year or two, there's a whole another wave of drafted players and college free agents in your way. And you spent all this time playing football. And by the way, all this time not learning another skill because to get that far in football, it requires 100% dedication. You don't have time to learn other things. There's the occasional stories of these do- football players who are doctors. Those are the exception to the rule, right? Those are com- some crazy exceptional guys. But with these undrafted free agents, you're kind of telling them, like, 
uh, you're screwed. You have no money and you don't have any relevant job, you know, experience in any other industry. And by the way, your dream is dead. So that would be really tough. But I don't think the head coach has to take those on personally. Maybe they do, but I think a lot – I mean, there's so many cuts that have to be done. Some of this stuff has to be handled by other coaches. Right. But it is harder on a personal level because those those are explainable. I mean, the, even a, a UFA knows coming in he's got a long shot. He may have say he has all the confidence in the world, but he is a long shot because they get very little time in front of coaches to, to impress. But when you're talking – like if, if you're talking to Cam – yeah. What if you you know we clearly think he is a built he's a keystone to this team, but you're Cam, you're too expensive. Yeah, I have to get rid of two guys. It would can't it'll it'll never go the way you think it does. It's like yeah, I get it. The math just didn't work out. No, it'll be no, hugely yeah. personal and hugely emotional. And as I'm talking about it, of course this is what it's like. There's almost no more emotional job in the country yeah. than an athlete, especially at this level, right? So when, yeah. when I've had to let people go, it's horrific, right? You know, you sleepless nights and you're worried you're yeah. ruining somebody's life. Well, Definitely. all that, but you know, it's all usually done in a professional context. I'm sure they try to be as professional as possible, but guys make their living on emotion and physicality. Yeah. And now they've just been let go. And again, I, I agree with you. You know, you're crushing some guys' dreams, but hey, you signed up for this. Yeah. But when you've already proven yourself and given everything you have, and you're yeah. getting cut for it's a numbers game, or I think I have more fuel in the tank, that's got to be a brutal conversation. Embarrassing, you know? Like it's embarrassing for you. And wait, but you know, you still have Ben signed up. Like, aren't I almost equal to Ben? I mean, you understand the the quarterbacks, of course. Maybe that's a little different. But like, wait, am I not the guy that you would make the exception for? And you're right. It's an incredibly emotional job because it's an emotional game. That's why we have podcasts on this thing. Like, people are into it, and it's it's dramatic. And there's no best of seven series, so there's un- an unpredictability. But also, if you're a professional football player, you're a professional gambler too. Like, you're playing for money. And you know, injury is a, a certainty. So you really are like, I know that this could all get taken away from me randomly, more than any other sport where you can come back from injuries because they're not as heinous as they are in football. I'm like, you're legitimately gambling with your future. And so you, you just lost a big gamble as well. And yeah, hopefully that's not what it comes to with Cam. I mean, obviously he would be picked up within hours. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Cam's sticking around. Visit the website, SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Happy birthday, Ryan Switzer. Happy birthday, Ryan Bill Ryan Shazier. Huh? Ryan Shazier. It's not Switzer's birthday. He's his, his death day. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, Ryan Shazier. Happy birthday, Bill Mazeroski. And happy birthday, Nick. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.